Hi, everybody. It's Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak. And joining us today, we have John Levine, who's the CEO of Miramet. Welcome aboard, John. Nice to be here. Thank you very much for having me here today. Yeah. So, you know, Miramet's a great story. You're an MSO operating in, uh, I think, five states and have been showing really good, strong year-over-year growth in a, in a market which is getting tougher and tougher. <laughs> yes. This market is constantly getting tougher and tougher. I mean, I've been in this since 2008, but uh, as we keep growing... The market seems to be getting tighter and tighter on what the growth pattern is, but we've been very lucky. I mean, 11% year-over-year growth this uh, past quarter and 14% on the margins. So we're continuing our uptick uh, every quarter, um, year-over-year, quarter-over-quarter, and we're doing it because we've been concentrating on going by our goals of growing in the states that we're in. Right. And expanding into uh, states that uh, we feel are limited states with uh, good controls, you know, staying away from the uh, more radical states that have controls which are not really in place yet. I mean, like New York. Yes, I was trying <laughs> not to say that. <laughs> so your your growth, uh, how same story year over year? Our same store sales have actually increased also. We expected our same store sales in Illinois to go down, and they actually, uh, luckily, um, not all four of them, but uh, most of them have been up quarter of quarter, year over year. Uh, we have one store on the Missouri border, which uh, has seen decreases, right? Uh, but uh, we're happy to announce that they're not as big as we had anticipated, and that's a good point. Oh, that's excellent because you know the. The market in general has been softened by the interest rate hikes, and I know it's affecting a lot of people from the asset perspective when they own the properties. But to see that the same store sales are growing, you know, speaks really highly of the uh, the retail end of the operation. Yeah, you contribute. Go ahead. I contributed to our team putting in a model of uh, you know loyalty customer programs, uh, good customer service, a wide selection of variety at all of our stores. I mean. We saw a lot of competition in Massachusetts, brought that back last year, uh, back, brought back this year, sorry, over last right. year. And uh, we're seeing some steady growth uh, month over month at our new retail stores. So it's uh, and not as fast as we would like to see it, but we're seeing growth come in our new stores. It's just getting the word out there that you're in that area and showing people that we have the largest variety and good pricing. Right. And so what specifically makes Merrimed different that it becomes a draw vis-a-vis any of your competitors? Well, I mean, it, it depends if we're which state we're in, but we're now vertical in almost every state. Right. To become fully vertical in the state of Illinois, which uh, is going to be great because our branded products are top in every state that they're in. And that's what makes us very successful is that our wholesale business and the branded products have a big demand that keep the pricing higher than the standard market. But we also brought in an entry level or mid-level product that uh, competes very well in every store that we uh, sell into. So right. that they have a high end in our Nature's Heritage brand to a uh, mid to opening level with our in-house. But it gives that same good quality standard product that people are looking for that when they know when they buy one of our products that they're always going to get that consistency, good flavor, good taste, consistent flavor and edibles, and that you're going to get a precision dose 
high that you're not going to take something and be like, oh my God, that just crushed me or ah, I didn't feel it. You, you know, when you're taking it, you're going to get what you expect. Absolutely. And you know, that's one of the challenges a lot of the brand operators find is maintaining the same flavor profile and effect state to state. How are you addressing that? Well, fortunately, we've been doing this for so long that yeah. we were very slow to roll out to too many states. We needed good, strong partners that were going to adhere to our SOPs. We have what we call a traveling team of experts that know how to go in and monitor how these products are made in every state to make sure that they're following our SOPs. And we create what we call the bomb bag, which is the formulated uh, ingredients already mixed. So when it shows up on the location of our partners, that they just put it in a bowl, they add the other ingredients that are necessary, and it gives them the consistent quality of flavor, taste, and consistency of look and feel. So that we, it really is difficult to maintain that if you're not doing a process similar to what we're doing, and it's really to keep that consistency. So if you go to a McDonald's or to a one of our products, it's like you're getting that same product. Right. So you're you're working always by blending um, different varietals to achieve a an outcome. Yeah, I mean, kind of like Coca-Cola when they ship their ingredients to their manufacturers, they just finish the mixture and bottling. We're doing pretty much the same thing. We send you a bag full of uh, the ingredients. We give you directions how to mix them together to add, whether it's water, eggs, or whatever, plus your THC oil. And we have specific THC oils that we'll take so that we're giving them the directions of how to maintain that integrity. Okay. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. And it's, you know, it's a great way to handle it. I mean, it's what companies and brands and other industries do to maintain, you know, that you have that same profile year after year and every experience because it is an experience. And that's, you know, it, that's something a lot of times people under value is the experience of the product uh, is incredibly important. Yeah, it's not just the experience of the taste and flavor, but it's the effects. That's you right. Know, when you, you go and buy a, a bottle of alcohol, you know what to expect if you drink one or two drinks, but... This here is very similar. You want to know how many you can eat and how it's going to affect you in all aspects of what you're looking for. Um, Our team of researchers have done a great job of bringing out new products. Our brands are getting bigger with different types of effects that can help people not just to get high, but to give them additional effects, whether it's to go to sleep or to relax or to deal with anxiety is really it's been a uh, growing market to really understand the medical aspects of what we can do with just natural ingredients. Yeah. They're really natural and good tasting. And actually that brings up a, a question in the last year. Have you noticed a shift in terms of which products are selling and for what conditions? Like, is it more for, let's say sleep or more for you know, a nerves or depression or anything else that people would be searching product for? Well, our Betty's Nighttime are probably the largest seller in every state that we're in. Okay. And it's uh, it's very exciting. And I will tell you that I have recommended Betty's Nighttime to people and they tell me it's the best sleep they've ever gotten. I ran into, uh, I played in a few golf tournaments this summer and I was told by people, oh, you're in the cannabis industry? There's this wonderful product that helps me sleep. It's called bedding. <laughs> well, I, saw it. So, I mean, it, 
I'm happy to hear that you enjoy it. They're like, that is the best stuff. But yeah, I think sleep is one of the main ones that I hear a lot in the cannabis industry. But I do know that there's other people from the medical side when we started that tell me that the uh, um, medicines for the stomach or for relaxation or dealing with anxiety, um, that this is very good medicine if it's used in the right pattern to help people with all those issues. I mean, right. the daughter is taking some of it just to deal with her anxiety versus some other medicine. So it's uh, it's a growing lesson of what the benefits are. It, it is. And, you know, I definitely want to come back to that. We, do, we are going to have to take a short break, but it's always nice to hear when somebody, you know, when you're operating a business and you have people coming and speaking positively about your product without knowing that it's yours. Um, I'm used to having people curse me for behavioral targeting. So it's <laughs> with all the ads they see. So, you know, we, we each have a different <laughs> path to that. But um, we're going to be back after a short break on the Green Peak and we'll be back in a moment with John Levine from Merrimed. And we're back on the Green Peak with John Levine from Merrimed. And John, just before the break, you know, we, we segued into, you know, people appreciating brands, but also you spoke highly about um, the medicinal benefits. And that's something which, you know, we talk about medical cannabis. A lot of people, you know, really are seeking the recreational product, but you've spoken a number of times, you've mentioned a number of times about the medical benefits, and it seems to be a focus for you. It's personal from what I gather, um, with regards to members of your family and people around you, but it's something which you're, you're looking at from a larger perspective. How do you view that vis-a-vis -vis the, the growth and change of Meribet over the next couple of years? Well, I mean, we're, unfortunately, we're leaving the medical aspect, but when we started this business, Bob and I, we started with an advisory service to help the medical cannabis industry. Right. And that's all changed now, as you said, that there's more people using it on the recreational side. But I think what people are really using is, is they're getting it. They didn't want to get their medical cards and they were just too nervous about Big Brother watching. Right. That there is some real good uses to what cannabis does bring to the industry, not just the highs for people to enjoy it on the rec side, but the benefits of dealing with many other aspects of life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've seen over the years, as I said, we started in 2008. I remember opening up our first retail location in Delaware. And I actually took over the register and I was able to help a person in a wheelchair who was in tears, crying because he was able to buy medicine to help him deal with his pain issues of being in a wheelchair and the uncomfortable positions that he had to deal with right. and crying for two reasons. The first one was that he didn't have to worry about getting rolled, literally. Yep. I mean, he was beat up and mugged many times trying to buy his cannabis on the streets to I'm be sure. able to come in and easily get the medicines that he called it yep. or what helped him with his ailments and having a variety of different means to take it versus just smoking. So, you know, even though the numbers still haven't changed much in terms of smoking versus uh, edibles, they, they are getting still getting closer to a 50-50 in terms of what's being purchased. I think people are still worried about edibles and the fact is what you're going to get for an effect. So right. everybody's a little different. I think taking it and in, in weeding your way into it and learning that a 
state-run program is much better than buying it on the streets, that you're going to have a precision uh, dosed item, whether it's the cannabis that you're smoking or the cannabis that you're ingesting through an edible. So you get better in- information on it today. I mean, growing up, you just either- You didn't know what you were getting, right? You were just- and it, John said it was good. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Yeah, I sat there like going all munchies at night. But you know, today it's it's a lot different. I mean, the flower today is ten times stronger than what I grew up on. But it's a, the, there's a lot different strains, a lot more knowledge about what the flower or what the edibles can do to help you. And I think that's why this market is still going to be a wonderful market to help grow this industry even higher than where we are today. Forget the fact that more and more states are coming online with some type of legalization. Mm-hmm. The government will have to eventually change this so that everybody has access to it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it can't happen soon enough on some levels. It's going to be some interesting shifts in the market once it does. And, you know, one of the things you, you touched on is you're noticing that flower sales are down to 50%. Which, You're coming down to almost 50-50. Almost 50%, which is, which is huge because, you know, not that long ago, it was still 80% flour. <laughs> and, um, you know, when people are starting to migrate to other products, it also indicates that the, the reasons they're using cannabis tend to be shifting. And the banks estimated back in 2019 that by 2021, uh, extracts would be passing flour. They were way off. But... Um, that shift is incredibly important to watch. How does that affect your product strategy? Well, the one thing that my partner, Bob, always said, branding is going to be the big thing in this industry. Right. And our brands are all about what the best products are. So we have branded products in both the flower and the edibles and the extraction. So we're, we're making sure that we're covering ourselves at all basis but we're trying to find means that not everybody's running to. There's gummies and chocolates everywhere. Yep. We, we get our Betty Zetties, which is a taffy fruit chew, which is delicious. Right. At our Vibations drink mix, which is the indiscreet way of just carrying a drink and having it anywhere with you at any time. Just put it into a bottle of water, shake it, and you're drinking. It's just like an energy drink that you get at the store for just regular energy. Right. These, these are the benefits that we're looking at is to make a name for ourselves with our branded products and build on the brand so that people will pay attention and know our name when somebody says, hey, what's a good drink in cannabis? And the first thing they say is vibrations. Why? Right. Well, not an instant drink, but it's a convenient way to travel and always have it available with you. So l- let's shift gears for a second. Before you entered the cannabis industry, you were working in financial services, in banking and manufacturing. Um, that's quite a shift to branding and a agricultural product to retail from seed to sale. How did uh, that transition go for you? And what has been the hardest aspects to learn? Uh, the hardest aspects to learn in this whole industry is how to deal with the constraints of people not wanting to work with you how to get around hey. the limitations of what the restrictions are, of what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, manufacturing is not something that's that old in terms of, I mean, it's old in terms, everybody's always manufactured something. 
Right. So, I mean, I, like you said, I came from banking, manufacturing, real estate development, but I learned from those experiences how to bring in regular management controls. The problem right. is getting credit to buy things or getting lines to be able to ship you uh, ingredients. It's very amazing that a lot of supply companies still won't ship to cannabis companies regular supplies that you can walk into the store and buy. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. But what's even more amazing is every state in their statute codes of what is allowed to go into every product and how it has to be tested. I mean, I still find it amazing that in one state, we had a uh, live fly flower grow where we fed the plants just table scraps of lettuce and stuff. And it turned out the lettuce that we were buying at the grocery store had high counts of metal in it. Right. If you get your cannabis tested, those levels were equal to what was at the grocery store in the lettuce, but it's illegal in the cannabis industry. Yes. Yeah. So the flower was all destroyed. So it's like, okay, so it's good for this, but not good for that. So until everything is fully regulated on an equal basis from state to state, it just makes those those processes a little bit more difficult. And I think we have built a great team of people around us here in Merrimed and that I rely on them to make sure our SOPs are always updated for every state that changes their mandate and putting them even more strict so we can take it from state to state and not have to worry about failing any tests. Knock on wood, we've done a terrific job of having very little issues, whether it's mold or metals or any type of other failures, and we have kept them to a very limited basis and right. we have been very successful on, on our output. So that's a lot of experience in management training. That is really good. And you know, in, the, in Canada, in the industry, uh, more than 50% of the crops end up having to be scrapped. And that's because the controls are so strict in place. And it's, it's, uh, it's something which when you know, if everything gets rescheduled is going to be an interesting impact on the, the industry right across the U S because the, there'll be the uniformity of standards, but there'll also be new rules that is going to, you know, be interesting for a lot of the growers to, uh, adapt to. Yeah. I think it will become more restrictive, but it will be a standardization, as you said, yep. and it'll make it easier to keep those standards. And I think that's the big thing that we've got to be looking forward to is the rescheduling getting to the fact that people can have this looked at across the board equally, not from state to state, not Absolutely. being able to take this and share information and run it the same way is very difficult. Having the ability to ship it across state lines will be even bigger for this industry, but it will be a big change for the uh, states. I don't think that there's going to be a, a, a quick change to the way that business is done today because I still think there will be state-to-state -state regulations and controls, but I think oh, that yeah. if we got a rescheduling, it makes it easier in terms of supplies and the supply chain and getting these products actually manufactured at a lower cost. That's that's very true, and there, you know, it happens in other industries where there are state controls put in place that preclude interstate travel because the product isn't made in a form that is conforming to one state's uh, particular requirements. That's an interesting one to see how you can create protectionism within state to state. But John, we do have to take one more short break. 
We'll be back in a moment on the Green Peak with John Levine from Merrimet. And we're back on the Green Peak with John Levine from Merrimet. And John, you know, just before the break, we we're talking about state to state and interstate commerce, and you can create barriers and all sorts of things. And that comes really into play as uh, we move to rescheduling. Of course, just uh, recently in September, end of August, there was a discussion about moving to Schedule 3. Um, rescheduling is going to change this industry dramatically, and we can't underestimate the changes that come into play. It's not just a matter of flipping a switch. There's going to be all sorts of federal uh, regulatory frameworks that are going to be put into place, not just from the FDA, but the EPA and others. How are you preparing for it from a Merrimed perspective? Uh, we've been preparing for this from day one. We've always built out all of our facilities to be prepared for any type of legalization and being able to do interstate. We're building out our kitchens and facilities so that they're GMP and we get better see GMP, which are certified. Yep. And that, you know, we're prepared for that to happen. However, you know, we went out with a protest here in Massachusetts that was the celebration of the uh, Boston Tea Party that was 50 years ago. And right. reenacted it with the 280E Party. Yep. And went on a schooner and threw some weed boxes into the Boston Harbor. Choice <laughs> 280E. <laughs> I hope you made them float because that'd be a horrible waste. We lost it all. <laughs> um, the, the laws and rules are very strict here in Massachusetts that we had to get those boxes back out of the harbor as quickly as we threw them in. And there couldn't be any cannabis or any other type of uh, product inside those boxes. So they were just, unfortunately, just wooden boxes. But it got the purpose out there so people were questioning what is 280E and why is it in place? Right. Well, 280 is in place for exactly what you're stating, which is the Schedule 1 that cannabis presently falls under. Everybody's been talking about the safe banking bill, and what does that do? Well, safe banking gives it so that the banks will be told that they can bank us, but that's it. 280E helps the small and the big be able to handle the cost of the 280E expense of adding back any nor- or ordinary business expenses for selling cannabis to the public. Right. So it's a very tough situation that it cost us off of our gross profit, not off your bottom line. So if you're a startup, especially in the state of New York, and you're struggling and you can't deduct those nor- ordinary business expenses and you can't get a full flight of people to come buy the product, you're going to pay taxes of cash that you don't have. And if you didn't plan it accordingly, it's going to take you a while before you're on the positive cash flow side. No, you are. For so long, we've been able to understand that and we advised well and prepared our, our partners to be able to handle that. But going to a schedule three or four, though it's not fully legal, that's where I was talking about that the states would still have some regulatory uh, controls that's the right. reason I think that they're looking at doing a three or four is so that they can keep some type of controls over cannabis and the extractions and of such. But doing a three or four would open up more than just banking. It opens up the free market in terms of suppliers. It makes it so that uh, from what we've seen or read that we could possibly upgrade to the NASDAQ or the big boards and not have to worry just because we wouldn't be fully federally legal with a one or a two. 
So it opens right. up a lot more dork. You know, this is an opportunity to grow this industry even further, get the prices down so the patients can even afford it lower, have the insurance companies even pay for some of the medical side uh, where they can use it as medicine. Yeah, which happens in other jurisdictions, right? Which is incredibly valuable. It opens up so, so many more doors with the 280E being, oh, sorry, not the 280E, but this rescheduling from one to three. Yep. If it went completely away, it would change the industry entirely. It but would. I think it would take a lot longer. Trying to do a reschedule three, four, it's still going to take at least a year, maybe a little bit more, but it's going to be a political aspect of when it will happen. Yeah. And I don't, you know, it's, it's probably not going to happen before the election. It might get talked about and announced that something's going to happen, but I don't see much moving before then. But, you know, safe banking, you touched on briefly, it, it's actually incredibly impactful for the industry globally because right now, because so much or almost, you know, almost all the FX, uh, foreign exchange transactions go through the US dollar. Um, safe banking is locking up that the, uh, a lot of the international trade are making it much more difficult. So that's going to have a profound effect, not just in the U S but everywhere else. Yes. I mean, but as I said, the rescheduling would open up banks in yep. the to do banking quicker and easier. The, Absolutely. Yeah. The, the state banking act as keeps crawling through the floors of the hallways of Washington. It uh, is is not going to be as quick and easy as people are making it out to. No, it's not. It's uh, it's a very complicated issue, and the dynamics. While it's you know very logical for many to say we should just do it, the reasons why they don't is much more complicated and isn't as straightforward as the value of the product. It has to do with men- so many other aspects. It's uh, enrolled to the list right here. John, we are running out of time. Uh, people who want to learn more about Merimed, where do they learn more? How do they participate beyond walking to a store and buying a product? I would think that the best place to go is to marimedinc.com. We have a great video that our director of communications put out there that talks about the history of the company and who we are and how we started and where we've gone, where we're going. It's a very exciting video that I recommend a lot of people to take a look at. But our site also has a lot more information about our products and brands. And they can always reach out to our IR department or PR department, and they'll be happy to provide more information. Well, fantastic. And thanks for joining us this week on the Green Peak, John. Thank you so much, Richard, for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back again with you shortly. I'm Richard Zwicky.